same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the same thank you vandello and Welcome to Graphically Novel, Please a don't. special mid-season presentation. Okay. You know, we didn't talk about it beforehand. Are you are you driving? This is mid-season. Uh, I have nothing prepped to drive. Halfway, so halfway through uh, the season. I, I, I got to be your, your your joker. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, let's switch it up. How about if you introduce me, I'll introduce Bear, and then Bear can introduce our guest. Excellent. <laughs> let's do that. Well, then... Ladies and gentlemen, my poison ivy. <laughs> the woman who puts plants up and down in my house and one day will give me the poison kiss. It's the Baronessa, Jennifer Howland. Oh, you can count on that. <laughs> <laughs> and this time around, I get to introduce our colleague, our brother in arms. It's Bear. How's it been doing? Thank you. And we have a plethora of guests for us uh, with us today. We have Kat, who is one of our resident DC experts. She's been with us before. I'm willing to be the, the oracle in this uh, equation. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, there we go. Yes, definitely tune into the Birds of Prey or Wonder Woman episodes for yes. more of Cat. Absolutely. And another veteran DC member. Yes, we have Mr. David Harnois. Hey, it's me. Who has been with us for V for Vendetta. Vendetta. Yes. One of our longest and highest rated shows. And dare I say, one of our best shows. Well, I helped. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many people like go looking for podcasts about V for Vendetta around the, the, Could be. Uh, the 5th of November. 5th of November and just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I would like to think that the fans of V for Vendetta are very special group of people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and uh, perhaps after today, we will be on another special list that we've always been trying to get on, and that is the Snyder Bros hate list. <laughs> you mean we weren't after my Wonder Woman comments? We possibly were. Uh, I haven't gotten any any death threats. so um, I didn't give them my Twitter handle, so that I didn't get any death threats. Well, there you go. Uh, and by the way, I was going to... Uh, Oh, I should well, that's I should have done it. I should have remembered. When I introduced you, I should have said, she's not just a friend, she's a partner. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh so yes, we will be doing <laughs> Batman today. And the reason that it is a mid-season is this one could go long. This one could go way long. Uh we have watched Batman 66, both the show and the movie. And the movie. Well, I mean I didn't watch the movie, but I've seen it as in my childhood over and over <laughs> and over again. Uh Batman 89. Yep. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Uh, Batman uh, 92. <laughs> Batman Returns 92. Tim Burton the whole again. Burton Schumacher. Yep. Batman Forever 95. Uh, I don't know how many of us did, but I rewatched Batman and Robin. I mean, I watched. I did. As it was on in the background while I was doing dishes because I couldn't stand to sit in front of it anymore. Like dishes were more entertaining. Then we have the Nolan trilogy. Mm -hmm. We have Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns, and of course, the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman. So that's a lot. That's a ton. Oh, add on top of that, uh, things open for discussion are um, the Arkham games, are the cartoons, the, the Batman animated series cartoons, which we introduced Bear to, so that will be exciting. Um, yeah, just basically a lot of Batman stuff. I mean, I, I'm always down to talk about Lego Batman, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch Lego Batman, drat. There you go. <laughs> 
But uh, so good. All things Batman. And so we're doing this ultra awesome edition. Uh, So let's also talk about the comics that people recommended. David, you want to tell us about Hush? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, hush. Uh, hush was you had a list. You had a, you had a, it was sort of word vomit of these are all good ones. Um, Hush is one of the first Batman stories I read, um, in, in before I really started getting into Batman and comics. And it's fun because so many of the rogues galleries show up in that story. I mean, pretty much everybody important is in there somewhere. Um, but you also get more of the relationship between Bruce and Selina, which is great. Um, not to mention the sort of twist at the end of the Riddler realizing that answering his own riddle would spoil all his fun. Um, and uh, plus, I mean, you get a villain who uh, is it was one of the, the better new villains that got introduced into the rogues gallery and hush's whole storyline that goes through that it goes through um batman gotham knights detective and then ultimately kind of concludes in the streets of gotham series they were doing uh during batman reborn um uh it's it's just a great read um it's you know and you get to stare at pretty 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 jim lee artwork which is never a bad thing um it's just it's a hell of a story and it's a great mystery too i mean for especially if you are want a story where Bruce is being a detective. That is definitely a story to read. And I just made that connection. Why? Why you might suggest that particular story arc? Yes. What? What is it about Batman and perhaps some detectives. of your other hobbies that may <laughs> that may lead you? <laughs> well, it will inevitably come up at some point during this discussion. But uh, I, I'm sure we are going to be discussing the merits of uh, of Batman actors, which is a discussion that has occurred several times in my other major interest which is the uh the world of sherlock holmes and let me tell you as much debate as there is here especially among characters like batman there is as much if not more debate (laughs) about people who have played sherlock holmes um it's people that like detect i mean it's people in general fandom in general but people that like detectives because like jen is a huge fan of Poirot. And we went and saw the first anything. We went and saw the new uh, well, uh, Midnight on the Orient Express. Murder on the Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Also not new. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the newest <laughs> the movie. Latest yeah. Movie, yes. uh, and as we were walking out, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I've never actually read or seen anything. Agatha, and she'd like full stop, like, you have no idea who Perot was before Wall-Row. this movie. Wall-Row. 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 Yeah. Perot uh, is, is a. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm ride my donkey boy. <laughs> I I remember going to see that movie in the theater when it came out with the girl I was dating at the time and as soon as he popped up on screen for the first time where you get to see his face yes. and I saw that amazing mustache, mustache. I just turned with this my head snapped over with this giddy look and she didn't she all she said was no no not happening I'm excited for Death on the Nile yeah Agatha Christie was another one I I read oh god probably half a dozen or so Agatha Christie stories when I was in middle school because I I just remember going to the the library and uh and um going oh this looks fun and I I think I know I read 10 Little Indians that one I remember distinctly but there were a few more but yeah Agatha Christie's another one well and Poirot I mean is one of those ones where you've only really had like one major interpretation of him 
Right. And, it, the, and a couple uh, other people B- who have done it. Yeah, the BBC series was um, was really well done. Oh, there was the murder on the Orient Express from the 70s right. with uh, Meg yeah. Smith. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, Agatha, that we're going so far afield, yeah. but <laughs> I, I, um, have some dear friends who, um, have a vacation home and that vacation home has several bookcases and the woman who filled the bookcases loved detective and mysteries, detective stories and mysteries. So every single thing that Agatha Christie ever published was in that library. So yeah, there were summers that all I did was read Agatha Christie from A to Z. So bring it back to Hush, what did everybody think of Hush? Was it A, was it your first time reading it? And B, what in this context of all things Batman? I've read it before and I, I think it's... It, I'm glad he suggested it because if he hadn't, I probably would have. Um, it's just quintessential Batman. I think it, it really nails exactly what he said. The rogues gallery, it gets that, like, it's not about beating the crap out of people. It's about figuring out the problem and why he's the world's greatest detective. There? Yeah, I, this was absolutely my first time reading it. I, I loved it, every page of it. Um, and I don't know what else you can say besides exactly that. It is the quintessential detective story with lots of supervillains. Uh, Jen and I had watched the um, the animated version of it, which cuts a significant amount of stuff out, but did a damn good job for keeping it. Again, DC the one animation. Thing DC's consistent on yep. are the animated movies with like two or three that I hate, but otherwise, oh, really good. Yeah. I don't know. I watched Gotham by Gaslight last night. I don't want to talk about Gotham by Gaslight. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was pretty good. I got so mad I almost walked out of my living room. I'm I'm cool with most of the DC animation stuff as long as Batman isn't having sex with Barbara on top of her. Oh, that one I also <laughs> almost walked out of my own living room. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, bad. So. How do you make the killing joke worse for Barbara Gordon? Right? The answer is Bruce Tim found a way. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. How do we make Alan Moore less palatable. Yeah. All right. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, he wrote a version of the Necronomicon. Yes, I know. We we could do that. No. We, no. we could do it as a bonus episode. No. No. Are, are <laughs> you talking about the fish scene? The fish scene. The, if we're talking about the same book, Alan Moore. Uh, was it Neonomicon? Was that the one I, that he I did? I think that's. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I, just, I was flipping through my Audible the other day, and I was just like, "Really? I might have to get that." Because there, were, if it's the comic book I'm thinking of, there's a scene with the fish man, and I'll just leave it at that. Oh no! Mm. Okay, uh, I own Dagon on VHS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Cat, the book that you had suggested for us was Long Shadows. Yeah, now for something completely different, right? Um, All three of these are very completely different. Yes, Long Shadows is partly because I'm a smartass, and you said. Batman and not Bruce Wayne. And and I have to say thank you for that because I really enjoyed it. I love Long Shadows. I thought it was great. I have the TPV that follows it that is Batman and Robin. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think Long Shadows kind of, and that whole run of Dick being Batman Mm -hmm. really saved Damian Wayne as a character. Like he went from this obnoxious kid to Dick Grayson was the right foil for him. Right. I would argue. I would definitely agree with that. I would argue in, in, in the same way I really walked away and I had read Hush before, but I was reading it for the for the first time in a long time. Um, I had so much more respect for Tim Drake mm. being, you know, having gone through Hush, especially when you get to the part where he's like, you find out why Bruce took him in and that he is, he will one day be the world's greatest detective. And that's what Tim brings to the table. Whereas, you know, Jason just wanted to, to, to have the thrill and beat people up. Dick just had natural skill, you know, and so 
so it, it delineates the differences between them. And I think Long Shadow's definitely the same thing. Damien, in most of the things that you see him in, if you even know who Damien Wayne is, are like, oh, that's the kid that got raised by assassins and is uh, Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul's son and just goes and kills people. Like, he, it's always talking him down from killing people, whether it's Injustice, whether it's, like, most of the... the uh, very few animated or video game references to him. Like he's an angry, angry child. <laughs> and the problem is that they'd already kind of done that with Cassandra Kane. And right. so it's like, especially for fans, it's like this feels like we're just redoing what we've already done. So um David, had you read Long Shadows before? Yeah, I had read that stuff. Um when I came in to what was going on in the comics, I came in um during um Battle for the Cowl. So, uh, so Bruce Frankly is dead before and, this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I played a big catch up game to figure out what the hell was happening leading up to battle for the cowl. So that was stuff like hush and black hand and Batman RIP. And, um, but yeah, the first, as far as like ongoing series was, yeah, Dick was the one who was Batman when I started reading monthly books. And I mean, it was a, it's a great run cause it's a lot of really good character study for Dick. And, um, yeah, it makes Damien much less of a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I, Oh, go ahead. Well, and it's just the the respect that um, Dick and Damien end up having for each other is really nice to see. Um, and I think uh, it's helpful for both of them to ultimately have that other person to be with in the wake of Bruce, quote unquote, dying. Um, spoilers. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a great run. And um, a lot of really good stuff came out of that. They both needed each other. Like, yeah, for sure. And one of the other reason I picked it is because not just because, well, it's Batman, not just Bruce Wayne, but it does a good job of showing the Bruce-shaped hole mm -hmm. that was left when he died. And the fact that, like, Batman has to continue beyond him. Yeah, the idea of legacy is... is huge in this book and awesome and i think it's it encapsulates what which we'll get into because i have it as a note but what the nolan movies kept dancing around and talking about but not talking directly to over and over again especially dark knight especially the end of dark knight this was a much better example because you have some people that are like nobody should ever wear that cowl again and then you have Dick going, Batman can't die. Bruce Wayne might have died. Batman cannot die. It has to be a legacy thing. It, he has to always be there to really keep Gotham City in check. It was oh, a great get... Jim Gordon moment where he's just like, oh, yeah. you're not him, but fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because oh. he's smiling. That's how they know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to that point, too, you also get a little bit of that at the end of Arkham Knight. You know, Bruce blows the manor all to hell, but then you get that bit at the end where it's the guys in the alley and it's like, oh, God, it's even scarier Batman than the one we had before. Right. <laughs> um, Jen, what did you think of Long Shadows? I enjoyed it. Uh, and I liked, you know, especially the legacy part of it. And I did like how, you know, the, there were was a great deal more character development for Dick. You know, like he had to realize during that arc that it wasn't just about keeping the city safe. There were so many other facets to what Batman was and what Bruce Wayne represented as well. Um, and I, I just, there was a lot more interpersonal between Dick and Alfred that I didn't expect, but was perfect for the story arc. And I really appreciated. And it also like 
shown a spotlight on Alfred that, you know, probably was far overdue <laughs> for what he did in that franchise. Really well done Batman stories take Alfred into account. Um, yes, but, but... It's a lot of really not good Batman stories. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, and also it's not... It. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a clever dude who's there cleaning up after the messes. But in this story arc, he's an active part participant mm -hmm. in what's going on. Well, he's a father in mourning. Yeah, and that too. But he's, I mean, he's actually doing things, which, you know, you kind of get the idea around the edges that he has been doing this all along, but that it wasn't a partnership. He was, he was doing a task for Bruce. And in this, it's more like they're working together. Yeah. Fair. Oh, actually, before that, I just want to say the, the one thing I wanted to bring up with Long Shadows uh, with Jen. This is one of the few graphic novels I've ever seen you complete and be disappointed that there was not more yeah. or that I didn't well, have the next the one Well, that's the only available. one that's the only one that you know of. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. you've been finishing it next to me and you looked at me and said, oh, is that it? Like, yeah. are we getting the next? <laughs> also, there was a, a villain character in there that I was like, that is not who, what I, yeah, that's totally different than my experience with that villain in other media. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, specifically, Black Mass shows up. She had to ask who that was. And I said, oh, it's Ewan McGregor from Birds of Prey. She said, no, it's not. And I'm like, no, no, it is not. No, it is not. This character is competent. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, probably psychotic, but not neurotically psychotic. Right. Fair. Um, long shows took me a while to get into. Um, I was flipping through it and I, I, I didn't know what to expect with it. I also didn't um, warn you that it was not yes. Bruce Wayne back. Man. I uh, I was trying to figure out what was going on. It took you know it didn't take long for me to realize that this was a post death of Super or death of Batman um, comic, but it it was a little chunky in the beginning. It kind of took me a while to really figure out you know what kind of path it was taking. It all did come tie together at the end, and then I kind of wanted to you know go a little bit further with it, but you know. Again, that was all I had. Um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't my favorite, but it, it wasn't terrible. I uh, Like I said, it, it it had redeemed itself by the time I got to the end and I wanted to read more. But I just, you know, when I started off, it seemed it seemed hard to get into. So you also suggested, Bear, you brought a third <laughs> book. Yes, with this. some help from Kat. Um, we were sitting at brunch uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, something like that. Um, and we were talking about the episode and and how, you know, we were, you know, we needed material, reading material and stuff for it. And I was like, I was just sitting there like musing out loud. And I was just like, didn't uh, Kevin Smith, does, doesn't he have like a podcast and like Fat Man on know, Batman, like a talk show that he all he does is talk like I should go to his website, find his stuff and figure out which ones he likes. And Kat was like, you know, he wrote some, right? And I'm like, that sounds perfect. <laughs> and after a couple of minutes of her Googling, she's like, these are the ones he wrote. I was like, well, let's do Cacophony. When I'd actually read Cacophony, when it came out, I think I owned the original releases. I got them from Rob, so. Yeah, I've got I those too. Yeah, I think I did at one point, and I and I they're they're probably up in my in my boxes because once I started reading, it, I was like, oh yeah, I have read this before because I remember the first part of this. I have talked to people about it. It's one of my husband's favorite parts in a Batman comic. It is. is that first I was thoroughly entertained and thought that 
it was a pretty good choice that I made to, to pull that one out. Um, yeah, it's kind of less about Batman than it is about the rogues gallery. Yeah. Well, specifically yeah. Joker. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of liked it just cause it was, it was a little bloodier. It was a little nastier. It was a little, but still had like a very, um, a very bright and colorful artwork, which made it a little bit just more eerie, I think. So, uh, Kat, we'll go to you on, on cacophony. Cause like you said, you, you have it, but did you revisit it? <laughs> Um, I did a little bit. I like did a quick like, browse through once. I I didn't feel like digging through all my long boxes. Right. But um, I always like it because it is a big rogue gallery thing. And that bit at the very beginning with the Joker, um, like I said, is Troy's favorite Joker bit in any comics because it really shows his level of like Joker is scary. Joker's scarier when you realize he's not just chaos and he actually knows what the fuck he's doing all the time. And that's when you're like, oh no. <laughs> so to Wait bring, a minute, you know what you're doing. This is terrifying. <laughs> to bring people up to speed, uh, because it is the first part of the comic and maybe it will encourage you if you are a fan of Kevin Smith, this is a lot bloodier and a lot grittier. But basically Deadshot breaks into Arkham. He has been hired by someone to kill the Joker. Uh, and the Joker's like, okay, okay humor me. Who hired you and why? And he's like, well, it's the father of a kid that you killed. And he's like, I think if you look, you'll notice I kill very few children. Which again, points out that Joker remembers every person that he's killed. So he knows what he's doing. But we find out is that this C-level... I only knew him from uh, from the Batman 66 show. <laughs> uh, villain, uh, oh, Rex. Who thinks he's Zeus. Yes, who thinks he's Zeus. Oh, Maxi uh, Zeus. Max, Maxi, Maxi Zeus, Zeus has gotten a hold of the Joker's Smilex, the Venom, and has turned it into, and cut it with ecstasy, and is selling it in his clubs as street as drug. A new designer drug. Right. And then there are people that are ODing on it. Or just getting stupid high and jumping off buildings or... Right. And this pisses the Joker off to the point. Like, he he breaks himself out of Arkham. Like, he is so mad that anyone would dare to... Not that the drug is killing people and not necessarily that it's been used as a designer drug, but that it's not being used specifically to sow chaos and kill people. They're manipulating its, its, its purpose to him. Right. Well, not to mention sullying his good name all at the same time. Yes. Right, yeah. right, because they call the, the drug giggles. <laughs> uh, and so that, that no, starts... Ch- chuckles. 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 But, so that starts the whole rampage. But there's a bit at the end that's the other reason I love Cacophony. It's going to go into one of my like big Batman points, which is that Batman is just as crazy as the rest of his rogue gallery. It's just that he's crazy in a productive way for the most part. Yes. And he, he's a functional crazy. Yeah. He's able to work within society. <laughs> Kind of. Kind of. The problem is that the way his crazy manifests is his is exactly what Joker says in the end, which is, well, you could just let me die. If you choose not to let me die. And Batman's like, no, I can't. I can't let anyone else die. And it's like, you have to be crazy to make that mental map. So to go, I'm going to have to save the Joker and he's going to kill hundreds of more people. I am going to actively save him, which is going to actively cost hundreds of people's lives. And I know that, but I'm going to do it anyway because I literally can't help myself. It's a long right. way to go for the time travel Hitler argument. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like a really long way to go. I mean, it's only three issues, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that Kagafi does a good job of showing that point of kind of like building it to the point where Joker's kind of pointing it out, being like, dude, you are kind of responsible for the shit I do. Yeah. Uh, David? Um, I... I will admit I had not gone back to cacophony at all, and I I'm sort of piecing together these these little bits of it from us from you guys talking about it. I do remember it introduces an interesting villain in Onomatopoeia. Yes, um, yes, yes. 
who is possibly another good villain to get introduced because he also has the ability to just pass as a normal person. Like, he's not disfigured like Two-Faced. He doesn't look like a penguin. He is suburban dad who also happens to have a bunch of heads on his wall of other bad people. Um, well, yes, and and superheroes specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that that is an interesting wrinkle to add in, and it's it sort of gets continued in the the next story that Smith ended up halfway finishing, which was the widening gyre, which you don't realize is a sequel to Cacophony until the cliffhanger at the oh end God. of issue six. It was supposed to be like a twelve issue series. And then it got he only got six issues out, and it was like, "What? That's how you stop this?" Um, but widening gyre is also yeah, it, it recontextualizes some things. It's a little odd, but I remember thoroughly enjoying Cacophony when I read it. Like, I don't look back on it and go, "Ugh." Um, and it's only a three-issue arc, so you know, kill twenty minutes, read Cacophony. It's a good time. Well, I I do have to say that on a onomatopoeia is is totally a kevin smith villain yes well he was he was also introduced earlier in his green arrow run yeah but it's totally a kevin i mean it has all of the hallmarks right just weird enough yep yeah uh which uh which okay so let's talk about um cat when a little bit after you arrived we were just having a pre uh show talk and you mentioned something very interesting that that kind of is throughout my notes and that is if you look at 66 and you look at Batman v Superman there's a scale there <laughs> all, all Batman live action media falls on a spectrum of campy to over the top gritty realism and they don't go in order but they all fit on the spectrum right and there are shades and, of each as you go through up shades. a lot of the Burton Schumacher stuff is like a fucked up shade of dark and campy that are two flavors that should not be good together but they are <laughs> oh so good <laughs> David, you uh, you rewatched everything. Yes. Uh, yes, I did. I I did not quite make it. Uh, but I I got caught up on on what I didn't. I don't. Know I, that... I will I will qualify that I rewatched all of the movies. I did not have a right. chance to revisit any of the episodes of the '66 series. I was, however, watching a few episodes of the animated series before we started recording today, which was absolutely lovely. So. Oh, it's yeah, it's delightful. But yes, I I did I. Started at 66 and went all the way through to BVS the other uh, two days ago. So I'm going to start with the 66 show and movie since they're both. The movie was pretty much just a really long episode episode of yeah. the show. Yeah. Uh, and I I was not able to uh, revisit anything but one episode. But I know, David, you and Bear uh, jumped into it because Bear, you watched a whole. I got no, I got about mm, 18 to 20 episodes in and then just kind of started cherry picking after that right and david you watched the movie i i rewatched the movie for what i think had to be the first time in about 20 years like if i really sat down and thought about it it had been a long long time since i saw the movie so what are the positives and negatives of the 66 batman oh i mean camp is just everything like camp is life um one of the positives that i discovered though is that there is a 
there was a trend for a lot of the movies to take Easter eggs. For example, if you remember uh, the second Nolan uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, yeah, Dark yeah. Knight movie, where they're all wearing clown masks. Season one, episode six of the '66 series is the first episode where you get introduced to Joker. That was, and the mask that he's wearing when he's performing on stage is the same mask the Joker is wearing at the beginning the bank of the scene. movie at the bank scene. Awesome, that's cool. I saw that mask and I snapped that picture of the, my TV <laughs> screen and I immediately flipped over to Dark Knight and I was just like, "Holy cow!" That's awesome. Holy rusted metal bag. <laughs> right. Well, and honestly, if there is one thing from the 66 series that is the lasting thing that has never gone away, it's the jet out of the back of the Batmobile. Yeah. Every oh, yes. single Batmobile since 1966 has that jet engine coming out of the back of it. Even with Matt Reeves' movie coming out next year, all of them have that jet. Like that is if if the character has changed, but that one thing about the Batmobile has always stuck around. And the other thing about the 66 series too, and this they talk about this a bit in uh, Wasta, the video that I sent to you and Kat um, mm -hmm. last night, where the 66 series was largely responsible for a, a comics boom. I mean, the the 66 series meant that people saw Batman on the cover of a comic book and went, oh, Batman, I like Batman, yoink. Um, but then there's the backlash to that, which led to... Um, sort of not a reinvention but sort of a return to the roots of the character um because batman you know initially it's not sort of a bright colorful world i mean he's it it's a dark book starting out um and he's dealing with mobsters and definitely kills a few people um and then they sort of shy away from that part of it but it was not you know the campy thing that it became in the 60s and so then it led to like in the 70s the oh, we're going to veer back towards, you know, grounding this character a little bit more and making him a bit more mature. But I mean, the 66 series, I, I have friends to this day. And again, this goes back to the the Sherlock Holmes thing that I we were talking about earlier. There are people where like Adam West is Batman to them. Like that is right. what the character is. I mean, in the Sherlock Holmes world, you get like, I, I suppose the two biggest people you would debate between would be Basil Rathbone and Jeremy Brett. Um, Basil Rathbone for life. And uh, I have many friends who share that opinion. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Jeremy Brett man myself. Um, yep, same. But <laughs> not um, a man though. Touche, <laughs> touche. Um, but I mean, the '66 series. Yeah, I mean, even to this day, the ripples of that are still felt. I mean, you look at some of the stuff they pulled in the Lego Batman movie, you know, having Egghead show up. Like, I was cackling in the theater at some of the stuff they were throwing into that movie because I was one of the only, I was one of the only people because the kids weren't knowing who the hell Egghead was. Right. But it's like, oh shit, he showed up. And it's like, oh, thank you for, you know, it's just with, a, and especially for what that movie was, like, you can throw in all that, the campy, you know, fun stuff. And you see that sort of return to camp with Uma Thurman, especially as Poison Ivy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I mean, the 66 series, you know, did a lot of good as far as sort of helping repopulize the character and um, was sort of a, a nice boon for the comic end of things while it was on. Um, I will also, <laughs> I will say this about Adam West's Bruce Wayne. He might be the horniest Batman. <laughs> 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 I yes. was gonna say I, I didn't read a lot of the comics before the 60s but did the Batman 66 kind of introduce the like sexual tension between uh, Batman and Catwoman or was that just Eartha Kitt and Adam West just having like chemistry well, also Julie Newmar Julie, and Julie Newmar and, uh, yeah. and um, oh who the hell was the other one Julie Newmar Eartha Kitt but it might just be that Eartha Kitt is yeah. just Eartha Kitt yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she brings that kind of energy right yes <laughs> Well, I and think, 
Go ahead. I, I think the Batman Catwoman thing, because Catwoman is a is a very old member of the rogues gallery. And I think if I'm remembering correctly from the, the bits and pieces I've seen of the old stuff, that relationship is a little more black and white and not so gray. Because, I mean, she's a thief. So she's, you know, a criminal. Um, and I think it's later on where they get to really explore that. But I mean, I'm, I have no doubt in my mind the 66 series certainly upped that ante um, for the, the chemistry between Batman and Catwoman especially. But I mean, God, and Bear, you can back me up on this. Like the date that Bruce goes on with Selina and he is, he is thirsty as hell. Like he just, <laughs> that whole date, you're like, Bruce, calm down. It's okay. Just calm down. Dude. Dude, just chill. Just chill. You yeah. got money. Oh. Don't you need you don't need to worry about it. <laughs> Should I order us some oysters? Some horny goat wheat? Some yeah, Spanish right. fly? <laughs> well was and Batman or was he Captain Kirk? <laughs> <laughs> Ad, young Adam West is much more handsome than than young Kirk. I would I well, would yeah. yeah. I think one of the Fair. things that you see here too, as one of the things I wanted to make sure that I brought up at some point, and I think this is a good time to do it, is when you're playing Batman, there are three I think there are three people you need to be. You need to be Bruce Wayne when he's around other people. You need to be Bruce Wayne when he's around people who know he's Batman, and you need to be Batman. Mm-hmm. And Adam West strikes a really, I think he does a really good job of being those people. Because, I mean, you get him out on the date with Selena, but, I mean, you get, you know, the people talking to Bruce Wayne, the socialite, and he's smiling and he's handsome and he's affable. But then, you know, the facade drops when it's like, oh, we got to go to the Batcave. Um, and then there's not, with him, there's not a whole lot of difference between we got to go to the Batcave and I'm in the Batsuit, except for him being in the Batsuit. Um, well, I mean, except when he's like, I got to get into your Batcave. <laughs> when, when, when you literally just, you know, open up a door and behind, you know, or open up your bookcase and behind the bookcase it says entrance to Batcave via bat poles. And in the process of sliding down the pole, poof, you are instantly in your outfit, you know, just from, from top to bottom. Right. To be I fair, think- it does show in the movie that he hits the lever that is the instant change thing. So they do. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. But I think the whole series was really a product of its time. Right. So the color, how colorful it was, was because of, you know, the technology that was available at that time and the fashion at that time. Um, How smarmy Bruce is. It was free love time. You know, this is when people, it was a sexual revolution. And so to show a hero that's embracing that culture made it more popular. You know, as you, Batman is a thing. Yeah. As you mentioned that, I do realize that I watched Batman 66 with my mom at the same time I was watching Laughing with my mom. Mm-hmm. And that does make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. And now I, I'm just I, seeing Adam West doing the bat dance. Yes. The bat with t- all of the... With all yeah. of the other mm-hmm. laughing people mm-hmm. dancing. Holy <laughs> Squared make a circle. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it to me. I mean, look at any fun, campy series from that time. I mean, The Monkees. Uh, it, it was very similar in the way it was the, right? the, you know, film, the art direction, everything. You can stand up now, Robin. I am standing. <laughs> but, you well, know, it just, it was, it was something that was, it was based on a comic that was probably not as campy and lighthearted, but it brought it into the modern time. I think one of the other things that's interesting about the 66 series as well is that it is the chummiest relationship that Bruce has with the police. Because, yes. like, you watch the 66 movie... And he's going down and he's talking to Gordon and O'Hara and reporters are there and Batman talks to reporters in the middle of the day. And yeah, like yeah. there's this it, like, the scene no where the bat copter is flying over at the beginning. 
and everybody's like, oh, look, it's Batman. And you see like cops take their hat off and hold it over their heart when Batman flies by. Right. And it's just like it, it is it is the it is the most rosy relationship he ever has with the cops. Well, it's also the, um, I guess, safest Batman. I mean, all the things he does, even if, if there's going to be any danger, there's exposition about how this is so dangerous and we shouldn't do this around people and whatever. The episode yeah. where they get into the car and like they're going to take off, but they can't because Robin doesn't have a seatbelt buckled and yep. they have to stop and yep. have, you know, 60 second conversation about, about why it's important to wear your seatbelt. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the, the PSA aspect yes. of it. Yeah, because yeah. you're, you're still in that time of every episode's got to have a lesson and mm-hmm. you know somebody's got to learn something from it. The people that are watching have to learn something from it. And unlike GI Joe, to put it at the end of the episode, yeah, we're going to stick it right, right in the middle. In the middle. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from '66, uh, you know, you would talk David about a Bruce Wayne in public, a Bruce Wayne amongst people that know he's Batman and a Batman. And the next up, I think, out of if you if you leave '66 off, I think encapsulated it, and that would be '89, the the Tim Burton Batman. Uh, uh, it's the movie? Batman the Motion Picture yeah. anthology, basically. Because they're yes. all Batman the Motion Picture. And then- right. Um, but if you're if you're talking about Michael Keaton, you know, portraying that role. And and you know what? Credit due also to Jack Nicholson in that Absolutely. role. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, arguably one of the best jokers ever. But one of the other things I wanted to bring up, the I think the unsung having watched it through this time, because I did watch all four of these. The unsung hero of all of these is Michael Goff as Alfred. Dude, best yeah. Alfred. In these best movies. Alfred. He is so yeah. good. <clears throat> so good. He's the heart when you need the heart. He's like nicely oblivious when you have to have Alfred completely miss a plot point or whatever. He's always so good. Right. But uh, so Batman 89, how long had it been since you had watched it last? And what what was your takeaway this this watching? I will start with David to give everyone else because everyone else is looking at me. <laughs> um. Oh, I do one one thing that I was keeping track of and I, I didn't mention it for 66, but I'm going to say it now. I was keeping a body count while I was going through these. Oh, right. Yes. Um, Was there a body uh, count in 66? Batman gets one. It's the goon he kicks in the cave and he (laughs) deatomizes. I gave him one. Yes. Um, The only person without one is George Clooney. He's the only one who doesn't kill anybody. Uh, Batman 89, I have it as 10 and a half. There was a, a, I think it's Mr. Sunday Beast or somebody on YouTube has a couple of super cut videos of the, the body counts across the movies. And I was a little more lenient on Batman 89 than he was because he has Batman 89 at like 17. I have it at 10 and a half. Um, well, I mean, there are some very clear cut cases because we were talking yeah. about this. Like he drops bombs off yeah. of the side of the Batmobile inside Axis Chemicals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the The count that I have is six in Axis Chemicals, three in the parade on the float when he shoots a rocket at it, and the dude that he grabs by the head and throws down the bell tower for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I gave half a point to the Joker because Batman does tie the gargoyle to the Joker's legs. Joker just can't hang on. So, yeah, make of that what you will. Um, now, that being uh, said, um, right. it had been, I think, three or four years since I had watched this because at one point they were on Netflix and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen these in a long time. I'll go back and rewatch these. And I, bless you, HBO Max, went back and was rewatching these um, again for this. And the, as far as a movie goes, I had forgotten how many 
kind of crap performances are in it. Like Keaton is good, Nicholson is good. Um, but like Kim Basinger, Basinger, yep. is is pretty. I'll give her that. <laughs> um, I I'm not sure that I. I mean, I'm sure there is something, but nothing really comes to mind as far as a good performance from her. I mean, she's okay. Right. Well, yeah. and it's if you are saying, like, for example, Vicki Vale in this is supposed to be a photographer that goes into horrific right. zones and and shoots war photography. Like, and I've met people not specifically that do that, but but in similar situations and they either have a very over the top dark sense of humor or they don't talk at all like and i'm not saying everyone has to do that but king basinger honestly just looks shell-shocked through the entirety of the movie she's super flat yeah she's and she not just there's no yeah. emotion yeah. there's no even when she's talking about going into these places and or even showing the joker like her her portfolio and the, the whole thing there's no passion to absolutely anything in her performance i, I would i would go so far as to say that uh, Cole Kidman did a better job in was forever. forever forever oh my than, god than yes Kim Basinger did in the 89 but with the with the 89 movie uh I think the thing that I think gets me about Keaton's performance is he is a little more awkward when he's being public Bruce Wayne than you see in some other interpretations. Like, especially compared to, like, even even Adam West. Like, Adam West has a very, you know, smooth, cordial kind of thing. And then you see Bruce talking to Vicky in this, and he sort of bumbles over himself a little bit. It's sort of it, in almost a Hugh Grantish way of being that kind of bumbling, sort of charming. Um, like Clark Kent. Like Clark Kent, yes. Oh, Sure, that's a fair comparison. Clark is putting on that act. Like, he's right. being, I'm bumbling and awkward and whatever. That's not usually how Bruce is hiding himself. Right. Yeah. He hides himself over right. a sheer punch of charisma. Well, right. and not just yeah. all Clark Kent, specifically Donner Clark Kent. Yes. Um, yeah. But I think what I took away from that was what they were trying to do was, was to humanize Bruce a lot more. Sure. Because, you know, you're looking at 89, you're looking at the end of, of the Reagan era is coming up, and people aren't as enamored with the rich. And so you have that scene where he and Vicky are having dinner and she's, you know, at the huge long table. And he says, yeah. you know, I don't think I've ever actually been in this room before. Yeah. And she laughs. He doesn't like he doesn't even crack a smile. So you're like, is he actually fucking serious? Like, has he never been in this room? And then they go and they have dinner in the kitchen with Alfred. And that yeah. becomes that is the Bruce. That is him letting Vicky see who he is. Right. You know, yeah. I do like that. And I and I like that they included it. I, I also think it is very of its time. It is a sure, very sure. late 80s specifically. You will like this Bruce Wayne because, yes, he's a, at the time they were still calling him a millionaire and it was cute. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> You know, but he he is a real person. Right. Yeah. Um the um Oh, and he doesn't have a Batman Forever credit card. <laughs> that is true. Well, and it's, well, again, of its time. I mean, think about movies like Pretty Woman, yeah. where it's like, well, you you have categorized this person because of what they do or who you think they are, and then you learn that they're actually not that. They're this. Right. And, and in Pretty Woman, it specifically goes both ways. Yeah. And I think it was supposed to do that with Vicky, but yeah. did he have to pay extra for her going both ways in Pretty Woman? <laughs> That's a deleted scene. <laughs> So um, the director's cut in his closet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the other interesting thing with eighty nine. <laughs> the other interesting thing with eighty nine is the change it makes to how the Waynes get killed in in having Joker do it instead of Joe Chill. Right. Um, which, as a dramatic device, 
I can certainly understand. But I mean, I know when Keaton got cast for that role, there was, I mean, you hear about it in interviews, there was all sorts of public backlash um, from people going, oh God, why him? You know, because at that point he had basically been doing comedies. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, I mean, even just, you know, having Keaton in there at all, but, but yeah, like the decision to tweak that a little bit and I mean, and it plays out at the end too, because it's one of the myriad of times that Bruce ends up revealing his identity throughout these movies. <laughs> and it wasn't even somebody he was trying to sleep with. Um <laughs> Right. I, I actually have a specific note on that for, for Batman and Robin, but we'll, we will get there. Um, yeah. I think that this is a good time to insert. You had talked about casting for the role. And um, I am a firm believer in that the men who are cast as Batman must have good lips. And a chin. <laughs> yeah. That they didn't save George Clooney. <laughs> uh, George well, Clooney at that time, though. Was it the height of his Dr. Sexy ER face? Oh, I know. My point is that like, he has good lips and a good chin. It did not save his... Batman oh, I didn't girl. say that it made him a good Batman. Okay. I well, said that's how they got cast. They also they also <laughs> called uh, final uh, shutdown, the last, uh, whatever, the last scene. Um, and Clooney, this is this is uh, documented, and, and he has said it, uh, turned to, I think Chris O'Donnell and said, I think we just killed this franchise. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> Clooney has Used also to. been known to give people money back who admit yes. they went and saw the movie in theaters. If you meet yeah. George Clooney and you say, I saw Batman and Robin in the theater, he used to just hand you $10. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a funny guy. I, I like him. I yeah. was, I I was mean, not a fan until I saw until dusk, From Dusk Till Dawn. Right. Oh, he's yeah. good now. Oh, yeah. From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah. I grew up watching ER, which was absolutely inappropriate when you think about how old I was, but yeah. still. I, yeah. I watched ER as well and was not impressed. Like, everyone was like, oh my god. And I was like, mm, no, he doesn't do anything for me. And then I saw him in his, as his character. I guess I just like assholes. <laughs> uh, Dust Till Dawn did it for me for a little while, and then he kind of fell off. Like, um, it was Hail Caesar. Oh, him, god. him and Hail Caesar so was so good as, uh, as, a, as a Hollywood actor that gets basically whisked away by the, the socialists and <laughs> doesn't realize he's in a socialist meeting or that he's been kidnapped. <laughs> I hadn't even seen, I don't think I had seen anything. Like I had watched ER when I was a kid, but like I was, I was A, a dude and B, too young to really care about his, his performance and didn't really see anything again until Ocean's Eleven. And then mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, where the hell have you been? Yeah. I was like seven when I watched ER, so it was nothing to do with like, oh, he's yeah. hot. I didn't yeah. care. It was more like, oh, I like Nurse Hathaway, and he was the one who was with Nurse Hathaway because uh, I was yes. seven. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, okay, so any other thoughts on 89, having watched it? How long had it been? It's a real, like, like, I get why people were mad when Keaton was cast, because you think about the fact that literally a year before he was in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and with, with Tim Burton. And so you're like, this is the duo that's doing Batman? This is going to be fucked up. Right. Well, and speaking of Kevin Smith, you know, Tim Burton famously, uh, when he did his Planet of the Apes, uh, and Kevin Smith was like, that looked a lot like uh, I had in, in Chasing Dogma. He had this whole thing that 
shot for shot looks very, very similar. Tim Burton's response to that was... Chasing Dogma? Yes, it's the comic book series that okay. goes between Chasing okay. Amy and Dogma. Um, And there is a Planet of the Apes-ish, like okay. the apes chasing yep. down yep. Dante and Randall and all this stuff, but um, in Jay and Silent Bob. And uh, Tim Burton's response was, anybody that knows me knows I have never read a comic book. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, anybody that knows you, or anybody that has seen your work knows right? the facts. Well, because it's obvious that his last best, like, they're campy, and you feel like these are kind of comic booky, but really, they're Batman 66. Right. Like, yeah. he's taking yeah. total influence from the show. Yes. yes. Batman never cracked the spine on a comic book. Yeah. Right, right. Um. So, to go from that, let's talk about Returns, 92. I swear, Batman Returns was just Tim Burton, like, doing a dry run for... Or Nightmare Before Christmas. In what way? Uh, well, everything's Christmas. There's a lot of weird clowns and odd yeah. monsters dancing around town. Literally dancing around town. Elfman went to 11 on that <clears throat> whole soundtrack, too. Yeah. Also very true. And I also would like to point out that both uh, both of the movies, both of the Burton movies, have they're the most quotable ones. Like, there Absolutely. are so many lines yep. in both of those movies that I still say. It depends on how much you like ice puns. This town needs an anima. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, th so the second Don't one... forget you. I'm my number one. Okay, it's... Oh my God. <laughs> Nicholson doing uh yeah. Jack Palance. Palance, yes. Yeah. Nicholson doing Palance is is a highlight. Um, but yeah, returns. I will say is, and uh, I thought it going into this. I thought, and we'll get to it in a second. I thought maybe forever. I remembered liking that a lot. So maybe forever was my favorite. Returns is my favorite Batman movie. I no. I, I love no, the Danny DeVito Penguin. I love the, the Michelle one. Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman is Michelle amazing. Pfeiffer yes. Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing a baby in a river to get rid of it. It's got everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that's just me then. Uh, <laughs> Danny DeVito Penguin he's, it's like it was mostly really good. And then Tim Burton like just like ah like there is there are penguin when he's like being a sexist pig being like, I'd like to fill her hole. Like, right. Oh, oh he's real like, horny. I'm yeah. like, that's great. <laughs> penguin, because talking penguin, about thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> Penguin's a lecherous little fuck. Yes. But then you have him like eat a raw fish on screen and right. his teeth are black and like boozy. Yes. And I'm like, you already made him a disgusting villain we hated. You didn't have to make him physically disgusting. You didn't have to make him eat a fish for us to hate him more. No, no, we no. We're no, going to hate him already. Because the sexist dudes need to hate him too. Right. Like oh, they can't right. like him too it much. It was yeah. the 80s. Yes, yeah. it, was, it was. the 90s. It was the actually, 90s. Actually, well, well, it 90s. was barely the 90s. But <laughs> I mean, both of these movies have so many quotes. First I mean, of all, so many. 92 is more than like just the tip of the nice. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is just the tip. It's just the game you play between friends. What? Stop it. Fine. Just to see you how poor it guys always confusing your pistols with your privates. Oh, yeah, yeah. no. Dude, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman was yes. quotable the whole time. Yes. Also, the Catwoman, just the pussy I've been looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, because the clip was making the rounds again on on Twitter, that I scene where she whips the head off the mannequins, one take. She actually in the department did that store. in one take. Nice. Because there's a yeah. far shot that went viral that uh, showed her like doing like a little happy dance as soon as they called cut and people coming up and congratulating her because she nailed them all. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, or or even the first. 
Yeah, the the backflips and stuff out of the the department store. She stops in front of Batman Penguin. Just stops, looks at him, and goes, "Yeah." Meow. And the store explodes like <laughs> such calls a dibs. Yeah, <laughs> I saw her first. I saw her first. But, you know, it's we talked uh, specifically Doom Patrol. We talked about how the difference in wacky or or mind-altering or weird that I go to is fantastical. And this was just fantastical enough. I mean, you know, like, no umbrella is going to work where you could just attach it to somebody's ankle. It turns into a helicopter and takes them up. That's not not how science works, you know? But it's it's wacky enough. Yeah, physics. Especially not someone as big as penguin yes well no no no, because you did the catwoman i'm sorry you're watching batman and and talking about how things don't conform to physics i'm saying and i'm saying it 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 hasn't gone it it goes into the fantastical at that point there's enough fantastical in this movie that i'm like okay i'm having a good time you know and and it's that that is what the 66 part of it is that's the camp Mm -hmm. it's got the right blend of camp and dark it doesn't go too far onto either side right Right. well and i think that's where burton was a good choice because he was able to blend those two and i'm not sure if another director would have been able to clearly take take people who were children during the 66 well not during but when that was popular on tv as as a franchise and then were adults when these movies were made for me it was great like I absolutely picked up on a lot of things that were congruent to the to the '66 series, right? And, and obviously, other directors couldn't do a good job because Schumacher uh, did not do a good job. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I use euphemism here, but um, they were good. <laughs> but you're you're also looking at this and you see Walken's performance. I forgot who was in it. I, 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 I totally like, did oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's we were sitting here watching it, and I was just like, oh my god, I just. Completely fucking forgot Walken was in this movie. She tries to blackmail me. I'll toss her out a taller window. <laughs> oh, I know. I love this. Selena, <laughs> Selena Kyle, you're fired. And Bruce Wayne, what are you doing here dressed like Batman? <laughs> because he, he is, is Batman. Batman, you moron. <laughs> Well, and speaking of uh, Christopher Walken, that's two movies in a row with a charred corpse in them. Ah, also okay. true. Yeah. And and uh, David knows the answer to this because I sent it to him. Uh, in both this movie, and, oh, well, Jen knows it too because I had to tell her, but in both this movie and in Batman Begins, uh, bad guys also become Marvel villains. And do you know which one? Batman Begins. Scarecrow and Max Shrek both become Taser Face! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Because I, had, I, um, I it, it came because I had forgotten that Rachel, when she shoots a taser at Scarecrow in Batman Begins, hits him in the face. Right in the face. Because <laughs> as soon as he said Scarecrow, I'm like, he's not in Marvel. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I like that actor. He wasn't in Marvel. Yes. They, they were both taser based. Okay. Yeah. My, uh, my body count for this one. <laughs> oh, yes. Is uh, two and a half because there's the goon who gets set on fire, the one goon who gets blown up, and then I gave half a point to the penguin. Mm. What about Max Shrek? Max Shrek is killed by Catwoman. Oh, yes. true, true. Yeah. He just doesn't. Yeah, she it. she gives him a taser kiss to the face as she yeah. grabs the live wire, yeah. live yeah. wire yeah. in the power yeah. plant. Yeah, in I mean, case... we get a severed hand too. There's all sorts of fun stuff in this one. In case you were wondering, by the way, if the nine lives thing was just coincidences or actually a thing, she puts it all to rest at the end. You mean she might not have just been saved by Kitty Litter? Right. <laughs> 
I do. Have well, to in say that final, that, oh, that final shot of Catwoman was like a last minute thing they added in. It ended up costing some ludicrous amount of money because they had to bring in a body double to put it into the suit for that shot where Catwoman looks at the bat signal. They added it in like weeks before the movie ended up coming out. I don't remember why, but it was it was some stupid expensive shot just for that, you know, 10 seconds right at the end of the movie. So um, the, the one note that I have here that we haven't covered on Batman Returns is I would say, even if you don't agree that this is the best Batman movie, I will say that this is the gold standard Batman movie for having two villains. Because the way that the villains interact and the way that things happen, um, I guess the only other argument I can think of that has only two villains um, would be Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, because you have... Um... Razzle Ghoul's daughter, and you have Bane. And Catwoman. And you have Catwoman, but she's, she's barely yeah, a villain. She's barely I don't a villain know, in she's that. not really a villain in <clears throat> this yeah, one, just, either. Okay. She's sort of, because she's killing people. She is, in fact, killing people. But and, she and also is, yeah, I mean... She's killing bad people. Yeah. One other thing I do want to say about Returns, only because this moment stands out to me in that movie, is the moment at the Masquerade Ball, which is, I think, probably... I was, we yeah, discussed I was that. about to bring that up myself, yeah. As yeah. we were watching it, we were talking about that yeah because yeah, that that moment when bruce and selena realize who each other are is a wonderful bit of acting from the both of them and especially just like the look of almost i don't know if it's terror necessarily but sort of just shock on michelle pfeiffer's face is just brilliant and also obviously the commentary that they're the only two people in the room not wearing masks which ends up getting revisited in dark knight rises um where they're wearing their masks at the masquerade ball because there's you know bruce and selena are their masks um but you know for the sort of occasionally hammy nature of what can be going on around them that is a genuinely good moment of acting um i, I still hold really it up nice as, as the the moment in everything video batman of like best reveal of batman's identity yes anyway. sure, sure. Um, i i will to do our due diligence for this show i will say if you really dig the whole bruce wayne selena kyle batman catwoman romance um hush pick up and read yeah. hush because it is the it is when they finally stop playing games and it becomes a thing i mean there have been more recent uh things that i have not read yeah. i have not read the... okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean our Harnwell might have know better than I do, but I, I've, I've heard what happens at the end of that last, oh. like, Batman and Selina Kyle are going to get married yeah. story arc, and no, no, I'm good. Okay. I mean, it's it's not good for one person in particular. Okay. I'm not going to say who, but it's very not good for one person in particular. But now the Phantasm is showing up in the comics, so, you know, that's fun. But that's a whole other discussion. Um, but yeah, the, Hush, the other, um, yeah, Hush does does that romance while pulling it into a larger rogues gallery detective story. Yeah, it, it, all the characters like it's got everything. It's, it's so got good. Yeah, sword fighting. It's got monsters. <laughs> it's got romance. It's, I'll try it's, to. I'll try to stay awake. Yeah. Right. <laughs> The, the other thing about the two Tim Burton movies in particular is the the sort of lasting influence of them, too, is um, the tone to a large degree of the animated series. Right. Um, yeah. Because you get those gothic elements. You But, I mean, with the animated series, you get a lot more of the art deco and sort of noir kind of look to it as well. But, I mean, the, the tone of that show, I don't think would have worked as well if the two Burton movies hadn't happened. 
yeah, and, I would agree completely. Yeah. 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 No. And, and definitely, it definitely colored Selena Kyle. Um, yeah. I don't know if it, it colored the penguin as much, but I can definitely see the, the animated series, Selena Kyle and Catwoman, uh, being very close to the Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, Especially since she was blonde. Yeah. yeah. I think Bruce Tim, uh, I think that he went and like cherry picked. He was like, I like this little bit of this and I like this. Because they talked about how they might have put Max Shrek into uh, Batman the Animated Series. And he was like, no, I want us to be our own thing. We don't need that. We can create our own version of a rich right. shop owner. Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, we can't have Constantine. We'll just make some other guy, uh, yeah. which we have run into in the show three times now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and only once because it was Marvel. <laughs> Um, so to go from uh, from Batman Returns, we go to Batman Forever that I remembered. Honestly, we can probably even just lump both of the Schumacher movies no, together. No, we can't. I think we can. Forever <laughs> is still better. Yes. Yes. Infinitely. And I think it's it's the infinitely tone that the is, actors... Is no, I gotta right. say infinitely. I'm with him on that. I, I don't know. I think I they're both really equally hate bad. George <laughs> <laughs> I really I, well, hate I hate Well, I hate Val Kilmer. So, you know, I, I think I think they had their moments. I think Val Kilmer was a, a good Batman and I think Clooney was a good Bruce Wayne. And I don't think either one of them did the other one any justice at all. I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so Batman Forever, I remembered as, as, as really enjoying. And then I watched this watch and I, I don't have that opinion. You can't anymore. go back. <laughs> you can never go home. Well, adulthood is hard. There are some things to remember. Like, okay, to break it down between this and, and Batman and Robin, you got Jim Carrey at the height of Ace Ventura. The height that of Ace Ventura. Not. Yeah. This is just after Ace Ventura. Yeah, this is right say, before he does Cable Guy. This is... This is... The see, Mask that was, that was, was just after this. That was my issue, was that, uh, like, I saw Jim Carrey, and I didn't see the Riddler. I oh, because he wasn't being the Riddler. He I was just, just Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. Right. Yeah, and I hated that. Yeah. Right. Same. Which... Yeah. Which I was at a point in my life where I loved all of that. And I loved Jim Carrey. You mean you were in the target audience? Right. I was, I was a teenager in the mid-90s. Yes. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is having... Okay. He's having the time of his life. He is. Playing He's having fun with it. It really is. And... and now that I have seen other movies where he does that, there is a there is a goddamn horrible movie called Man of the House. Oh my god, but he's so good in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's not a good movie. It's it's he's a cop watching a sorority house. Like it's not a the good movie. I'm, I'm suddenly curious. All bad. Yes, it is all bad. But his like some of his stuff in Men in Black and you know, the things that he did after this, I almost feel like this role had other casting directors being like, Oh, this is what he'll do if we just tell him, Hey Tom, have some fun. Just take this role, have fun, you know, and, and Tommy Lee Jones also has a spectrum of like give a shit to not give a shit. Yes. And I think he is at his best in the center. When he gives when he has to like care too much, I feel like it's not as good. And if he genuinely has checked out like some of the later Men in Black movies. Those yes. are not fun. But this is like that perfect middle ground. Oh, of yeah. Like, he said, I'm not. I care, but also it doesn't matter. I'm not winning a single award for anything <laughs> in this. Oh, wait. Am I going to win a golden raspberry? Uh, no, no. Jim Carrey's right there. No, I'm. <laughs> 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 like, 
<laughs> well, and Tommy Lee Jones did not like Jim Carrey. Like they were not cordial on the the shoot for this movie because Jones he was obnoxious. Just, yeah, he did not like him. Huh, that's interesting. I yeah, mean, I, I can see it. Jim Carrey looked obnoxious. Right? I, I can totally see it, and I'm with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. <laughs> As an adult, you watch it and go, "Oh my god!" Imagine having to work with that dude. Does he ever turn off? How awful must that have been? Also, my 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 personal story for this is I um I worked for Bandai Entertainment um, in the early 2000s and I worked in collectible card games but I went to all these conventions and one of them that I went to was the second Gen Con Southern California and while I was working the booth I took my lunch break which is one hour to stand in line to pay the $20 to get an autographed picture of Val Kilmer because I wanted him to sign it as my bat suit did not have nipples Val Kilmer and I did all of that and when I asked him for it he motioned and I got pulled out of line and less than an hour later he left the convention like completely ignored like whatever deal he had with them because he was supposed to be like two panels and another signing thing wow. and he just left um yeah <laughs> so but like, but his bat suit did have nipples it did not Clooney's had, Clooney's nipples. had nipples I was watching you no I I made a note of it when I was re-watching it there's some nips on that bat suit Maybe it's just in passing then, because like Clooney's, it's like, oh yeah, I have like, oh. nipples. Hang on, yeah, hang on, I have an image right out. here. Yes, it's true. It was ice. It was. Oh, turkey's done. Yeah, because when. At the beginning of the movie, when Kilmer is wearing basically the 89 suit, there's nips on that bat suit. Now, the suit he ends up in does not have them, but there are bat nips at the start of that movie. Okay. No, it's right. the bat symbol over his pecs. Right, yeah. No but nipples. but the suit at the very beginning is the, the Keaton suit, and that one, that one gets them. Also, this movie is one of two movies in a row that has gratuitous butt and crotch shots oh, for yeah, Batman. Yes. Oh, Oh well, Batman, God. Robin, Bad Girl, Bad Girl eventually. Bruh, two yeah, is. yeah. Um, there's a, I think there is a difference between a butt shot and a shot that happens to have a butt in it. And this movie had butt shots. The bonus of it being a gay director, though, is that there were equal opportunity butt shots. It wasn't just women. It's true. Sure. And as a matter of fact, most of them were men. Yeah, honestly, it felt kind of like the Batgirl one was just like, oh, I guess I have to. I did uh, this this viewing um, have to pause it once to do research because I wondered who the fuck the fourth flying Grayson was. There are four in this one. Who the fuck's the fourth flying Grayson? His older brother, Mitch. Wow, they couldn't even yeah. think of a good name. <laughs> that sounds like a fake name. I'm sorry, Mitch so Beam, if you're listening to this. You your name is Mitch. What? You have Dick Chil and Mitch. Children were. Yeah, but it's Richard. Well, that's true. So you that's Rich why he's called Mitchell. Mitch. Yeah, so. Richel, Richard and Mitchell? Yeah. Uh, Mitchell. Yeah, so I had to look that up because I was like, because there's three bodies. And I'm like, and I saw four people. I'm like, no, no. And then I looked it up and yeah, and it was like a whole thing that they added because Dick talks later about how his older brother, like his rope broke and he went out there and that's why they called him Robin. And I'm like, okay, I don't care how good of an acrobat you are. A rope breaks and the dude is falling. That 
physics says the realization for you to jump on a trapeze and get there before he has hit the floor is, yeah, that's not. That's not <laughs> happening, but we're going to go back to you thinking about physics. While right, we're right. Yes, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. But if Jen can do it with the Fast and the Furious movies, I feel I should be able to do it with the Batman movies. No, because we haven't gotten to Nolan yet. That's then, true. And then that's... we come back to reality a little bit. Right. And yeah. So any more on uh, Forever? Uh, actually, my, oh, go ahead. Oh, my body count is two-ish. Um, the note I have is he's kind of responsible for the goons in the truck that get blown up, like when the Batmobile sidesteps and that rocket just goes right into the truck. Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of, he's kind of responsible for Two Face throwing all the coins at him. But yeah. at that point, you know, Two Face can't keep his own balance. So, eh. and then um, when the Batmobile drives up the alley and there's that pile of cars that chase him the 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 yeah. pile of cars that as it was happening i started going i think i think the thing about this one and i i remember commenting to you because i was sort of live commenting some of this to you when i was going through them kilmer's vocal performance never gets above a like a normal room speaking voice the entire movie this it was, is a very it's a very sort of one note read of everything this was the only of the original four um, that I had to turn up the volume on. All of the Nolan movies. I had to have my sound bar like almost maxed and then like turn it down like as for explosion as the, pieces. As soon as the explosion happens. Yes. But yeah, the, the mixing in this was weird. Because like you could make Kilmer sound louder. Like that's, yeah. that's not just an but, acting thing. That's also a sound mixing thing. But that's basically him just talking like this throughout the entire movie. Like that's, that's all he's doing. You could be my wingman. Which, right. but, the, <laughs> but you've got to, you've got to think that that was, that was direction. That wasn't the actor saying this is my. Well, and Val Kilmer is also, Val Kilmer is apparently also not easy to work with either. So I could see some of that, him just being a dick. Yeah. Right. Um, I, the, the thing with this one as well, that I sort of noticed to a greater extent in Batman and Robin, which maybe this is a good way to bridge between the two of them, yep. is from from an aesthetic standpoint, this movie and to a greater extent Batman and Robin are sort of aesthetically at odds with each other because the architecture of the Gotham City that they are in, and I'm talking purely about the architecture, still jives with the stuff that Burton was doing. The color palette they put on top of it is where things start getting weird. That was about what I was about, you what I was about yeah. to bring up was the you, color palette. You don't know of any and, gangs that have uh, blacklight battles? Yeah, that's exactly. Because I'm just saying, if I ever have a gang, okay, if I'm ever a, a, a first lieutenant in Jen's henchman gang, okay. uh, we're going to have blacklights. Sure, black that's fair. paint and blacklights. But oh, I think, I think no. forever it's not the 90s is... anymore. You can't get away with the shit. <laughs> I think Forever is better about sort of still trying to preserve a lot of the tone that Burton had established. But then by the time they get to Batman and Robin and Schumacher himself has apologized for the movie on several occasions because he ba was basically making a toy commercial. Yeah. It was basically in line with like what He-Man and Transformers were doing, where it's it is a thing that exists to sell toys. And Batman and Robin is a weird one because it's it's the most diametrically opposed aesthetically because you really get some nice 
looking architecture that they throw a lot of really heavy color on. But then there are moments, and the one in particular that I made note of in that movie is it's a daytime shot, and it's when Poison Ivy's red car is driving down a street in Gotham, and it's this Dutch angle shot, and the street's driving down with Bane at the wheel, but like just looking at that shot, I'm like, that would look at home in a Burton movie. Like, yes. just that moment is like, oh, that looks like something that I recognize. But then the minute it becomes nighttime again, it's neon colors for everybody. Well, going back and, and talking about about Forever and Burton, I feel like the other part of that is that at some point uh, in Returns, when uh, the Batmobile like becomes just like a thin tube that goes through the alleyway, mm -hmm. um, I feel like Schumacher looked at them and said, yes, penis Batmobile! <laughs> because <laughs> the Batmobile never looks more like the incredibly gay duo's car than it does <laughs> in Batman Forever. The, the was, ambiguously gay duo? The ambiguously yeah. gay duo, thank you. It was the most penis Batmobile I have ever seen. To the point where they hard corrected with Nolan. They're like, we're going to make this the least penis looking thing we can make. <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this looks more like a vagina than it does a penis. Not that it looks a lot like either, but if you had to choose one. <laughs> Well, and the interesting thing with the Batman and Robin Batmobile is it's the first one since the 66 series that has an open top yeah, because yeah. you get him to hop in and he's basically driving a Formula One racer at that point. Um, right. But all the other ones get get some hood of some sort. So, yeah, uh, Batman and Robin. OK, is it just me or was oh. like every prop and every person wired hard for wire foo? Oh, my like, God. And and it all looked cheap. Yeah, it did not look good. Right. right. Like, those were Michael's vines. Like, those were vines that you find at the Michael's craft store mm. for almost everything Poison Ivy had, period. <laughs> I will pay this movie the compliment that they at least made Bane Hispanic. Yes. yes. This is true. Yeah. Yes. yes. Kind of. Stupid, but Hispanic. Yeah, yeah, they did Bane dirty. Oh. God, they... Like, it's hard to argue which villain, uh, okay, it's not hard to argue which villain got the worst treatment in all of these movies. And then if you take Bane out of the equation, it's kind of hard because Bane honestly got the worst yeah. interpretation. Like, like Deadpool in X-Men, uh, Origins Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Like, it was bad. Well, and I think if you could have the physical presence of this Bane mixed with how smart Tom Hardy's Bane was, that would have been really good. Yeah, because I didn't love Tom Hardy's Bane because I feel like it, it was missing a lot of the elements to me that's like very Bane. And I think, yeah, if you mix, if you took these two and smooshed them into one Bane, that would be a good Bane. If you took the ability for this Bane to speak, um, I mean, because he grunts, but at least he's not distorted. Yeah. Like, at least I don't have to turn on subtitles to understand what's going on. And also his size. Like, like he said, yes. he, Bane should be this giant, especially when he's better right. up. He should be, like, he from the be. Batman, the animated the yes. Batman Yeah, series. he should be this huge, intimidating figure with this great accent. Right. He's still very smart. Yeah. And no one ever gets it right. Bane, people have always failed to get Bane right. It's always a shit show. They did, uh, I think they did a really good job with him in the Telltale game. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I thought that was a really, really good version of him. And he's, uh, Batman the Animated Series. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. that goes without saying. 
But do I you mean, think do you think that it was necessary to include Bane? Oh God, no, no, no. I really felt like it was it was a disservice to that character, but it was also a disservice to Poison Ivy. Yeah. Right? Why Poison, Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy was was like a, no. you know, oh, I can't do it. I'm a woman, but I have this this thing that does these that she he drives right. me around. He you know, I, it feels like I have a lurch. Is yeah, what I have. That, yeah, right. Purposefully, they went backwards because you have the. Batman Returns, where silly, where Catwoman's like, "How could you? I'm a woman," and he goes to like apologize. Like Batman goes to apologize, she kicks him, <laughs> right. and it's like it's like like I was saying, I'm a woman and should not be underestimated. Right. And then you have like Poison Ivy that's like, "Oh no, my 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 pheromones don't work. Bane, save me!" Right. Well, it fell for the classic blunder that kills how many pre-Marvel, uh, pre-MCU superhero series, which is too many villains. Right. Yeah. Yes. As soon as they do too many villains, it yeah. kills the series. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I don't necessarily think that if this was just Poison no, Ivy and they were clearly running out Freeze, of yeah. money by this point. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the other thing, uh, when we were talking about Bruce and uh, and his reveal, the note that I had, and Kat, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to bring this up, is the first scene where Batgirl shows up. Oh, she shows up and uh, and uh, Robin is like, oh, somebody else joined the team. And George or Batman is like, so Batwoman, Batgirl. And she goes, it's me, guys, Barbara. <laughs> like, that's the first thing she says. And I'm like, you couldn't go two fucking seconds, Barbara. <laughs> You're the worst. And not her worst line. I it was Suki Uncle Alfred being the worst. Alfie, Uncle Alfie. Um, well, right. my <laughs> comment was hate, hate. <laughs> but <laughs> couldn't they get I mean, I get it. Alicia Silverstone was hot at the time, but obviously couldn't even fake a British accent. You couldn't get someone who right. could. Or at least a red wig. Yeah, something. Did she have to because, be blonde? Because she was like, it, why did you make her British? And she doesn't have a British accent. Yeah. Well, it's because it's an alternate reality uh, England, because did you catch what school she was going to? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oxbridge. Oxbridge, yeah. yeah. God. I will I also it. say one, one really lovely moment in this movie, despite all of it, is when Mr. Freeze is sitting there watching his wedding video and he's just yeah. sitting there and he's like, that is a genuinely good moment of acting in this movie. And then he gets oh, yeah. interrupted and makes a nice pun. And it's like, oh, you were so close. You were yeah. so close. <laughs> but takes place before or after Batman the Animated Series? After. Okay. Uh, this was, a, yeah, they, 97, so. Because Batman the Animated Series is the one that really oh, yeah. saved Mr. Freeze. Yes. Yep, and and this was taken directly from that. Um, uh, well, uh, I will just say this. Oxbridge is a portmanteau of Oxford and Cambridge, the two oldest, wealthiest, and most famous universities in the United Kingdom. She, she's right. Huh, interesting. Well, I, I stand corrected on that one. It's I still thought, bad. I thought it was a joke. It's still bad. Like everything else was in this movie. <laughs> Uh, also, Batgirl's a terrorist uh, because while she cannot figure out a four-letter password earlier, she somehow can hack U.S. Army satellites. Right. Yes. <laughs> I like the attempt to be like, well, the work will exist, but no, 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 no. no. Well, it up more. The thing that that got me—it's not about like figuring out a password. It's like if you are like a computer engineer hacker, and I'm using very sarcastic air quotes around hacker um you shouldn't need to try to figure out what the password is right right you should find a backdoor you're first. not using the gui here right 
So, yeah. Also, uh, my last note on this is that Coolio couldn't even save this movie. Yeah, I uh, I saw him pop up in there, and I was just like, oh, that's a... Uh, listen, yeah, that, that's Coolio not, made not Daredevil that. better in the director's cut. Uh-huh. I keep telling you. I'm telling you, and I'm... Oh, it's your hill and speaking, speaking of director's cuts, one thing I did want to mention with Batman Forever is that there is... Um, a fan edited version of it called the Red Book Edition, which puts the deleted scenes back into the movie and cuts out some of the camp and reworks some of the color palette. Um, and Schumacher was at odds a little bit because he wanted, he did want to make something a little more in line with what Burton had been doing. Um, and the existence of the deleted scenes, like especially the one in the cave where Bruce sort of realizes that he's not the one to blame um, for, you know, his parents getting killed. Um, like, taking a look at the psychology of Bruce a little more, there there is a call um, among some people online for, like, Joel Schumacher to get a crack to, like, oh, maybe since you obviously shot the stuff to do it, maybe you could get a chance to put out the version of the movie you wanted to put out before the studio, you know, had you camp it up a little bit. Maybe HBO Max will give him seventy million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's shot, but we're still gonna need seventy million dollars for reshoots. It'll be fine. We need that much just to CGI reduce the age of everyone back to the nineties. <laughs> Okay. That's a discussion for next month. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Coming up on our on our Justice League episode. Uh, so then we get into Nolan's Batman uh, trilogy. Um, Batman and Robin essentially killed the movie franchise for quite some time. George Clooney was right. Yes, he was. Uh, and then this, as Vera has been pointing out, much more grounded scientific version of Batman. There's nothing out. supernatural. There's nothing crazy off the wall. There's a few things that are, you know, maybe a little over the top but really like there's nothing outside the bounds of our our current basic reality how long it had been and what did you guys think except for how you treat burns that movie <laughs> yeah it is um i watch those i watch all three of those on a regular basis i, I keep going back to them because that's my favorite trilogy out of out of all the batman stuff it had been a couple of years because i got the um the uh, box set of them for Christmas a few years ago, and I rewatched them all then. But it had been, I think, two years or so since I had seen all three of them, and it was a delight to go back and revisit them. Yeah, I mean, they they seem the most accessible, I guess. I mean, they are other than than uh, Batman v Superman, they are the closest, like you know. But they are their own, just Batman specific trilogy. Because mm -hmm. um, I was about to say. Uh, Night Rises came out in 10, 2010? Something real close to that. 2012. So, 2012. Okay. So nine years ago. Um, pretty close. But I don't know. And I think that's it. Like, this is no less real than your typical action movie. At least when you get to Begins. When you're starting from Begins. Um, they may get a little bit more wacky or, or, or losing. I mean, the tech gets a little... Yeah. You know, gets a little over the top as you get into the second, third movie. But... Still, overall, also not outside the, the, the bounds of our current reality. Right, right, true. Also, out of uh, 140 minutes, Batman is only on screen for 24 minutes and 14 seconds. You timed that out? No, okay. I, I looked it up online. <laughs> I did not go through all of that. Um, but there are, there are people with way more time on their hands than I have, but they have the same questions you're, I do. And you're counting once he's got the suit all together. You're not like where he No, it's not him. Bruce Wayne. It's just Batman. But I'm Batman. like, like the scene. Are they are they counting like the scene where he goes in to see Jim Gordon and he's got the stapler to the back of his head? Yes. And, okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Anything not, where it's like in the suit Batman yet. or proto Batman, like okay. your your whole like the Batman persona. Sure. I guess. Um. Yeah. Just seventeen percent of the movie is Batmanless. Well, and I mean, with Batman Begins, this is really the first time we get like the. This is interesting because Begins, as the title would denote, gives us the the longest ever look we've ever really gotten as Bruce leading up to being Batman. Like, even every every interpretation before this, we are just dropped into a world where Bruce is already Batman. Like, he might be early in his career, but he is Batman. Um, And Begins is, I mean, obviously about Bruce having to figure out who he is, you know, going over his training that he's been going through um, before putting on the suit. So, I mean, there is definitely a less is more thing with this particular with this particular movie as far as giving you Batman. Um, and uh, also, uh, my body count for this one is 14 and a half um, because and I, I had to defer to the Supercut video on this one because I this one I, I tended to agree with them. Uh, Ten people in the monastery, two oh, people yeah, yeah. when he drives over that cop car. Um, he mines the road. That's two more cops. And I give him half a point for Raish. Oh yeah, where, yeah, yeah, which, yeah, which is a, a great point because he has the "I don't have to save you" line. Which yeah, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Right, which I was interested in. It's direct uh, opposition to co- the end of Cacophony. Yes, it's direct opposition to the comic Batman. Right, like current, like generally accepted comic Batman. The problem with Batman is that his history is so long. When he started, he killed people. Like you, right. Frank Miller Batman in there and shit. But well, and not to mention leaving KG Beast to you know die twice. Right, you know, and some uh, other times he's done some morally grave things. Is he won't kill, but he also can't let someone die if he can do anything about it. Right. Which is, I think, why I like the Nolan movies the best is because he, you know, he didn't necessarily, like, yeah, he threw the the hot iron that started the building on fire. But if everybody else didn't stick around to fight him, they wouldn't have died in the fire. Right. They could have just ran out of the building. Oh, shit, the building's on fire. Let's run out of the building. So... It's like I I, I I totally like I can accept the body count totally, but like I appreciate this Batman more because it's just like you know what I'm, I'm not gonna actively try and save you. He tried he actively tried to save one person who he considered his friend, and everybody else could just fuck off. Also, this is the first out of all of these movies that we get a Lucius Fox. Yes, yeah. Who um this on at least. I, I, not being as familiar, but it seems like this on uh, Lucius Fox became a much more important uh, character and figure in the Batman mythos. I think um, it's a good representation. Like Batman's kind of white, but he's a lot of white. Right. Well, that too. <laughs> in the Batman world. Um, but also it's because it, we're now in the internet age. In the 90s, you didn't necessarily need a guy in a chair. Right. Lucius really serves that purpose for especially the Nolan movies because they aren't going to expand the supporting cast of Batman which is my favorite part of Batman is the supporting cast which is why Nolan movies are always like they're fun but right. I would like Babs I would like Dick I, I I like my supporting cast a lot more but I think Lucius serves the Oracle role really well that like person that he can go throw ideas at who can like look a thing up for him while he's in the middle of shit so um Man, I do also it. appreciate that we do finally get Joe Chill in a movie. Um, yes. They make they make the tweak that they're doing Deflator Mouse instead of the Mark of Zorro, but 
we do get Joe Chill, which is nice. Right. Uh, that's true. Uh, also, Wasta, I feel like this is a good time to mention what I had said to you when I was rewatching this movie about fear, which oh, is yeah. they talk about fear in in the beginning parts of this movie. They talk about fear like the Fast and the Furious talks about family. Yeah, it's just true. yeah, it's a lot. It's very true. Um, also, the fact that they're watching Deflator Mouse is amusing to me because the mayor uh, played Deflator Mouse in The Tick. Uh, well, he was Batmanuel, but uh, oh, yeah, but that was the version of Deflator Mouse. Yeah, got uh, yeah. about that. <laughs> um, so this may be one of the longest that we've ever recorded, and we're coming up on on actually eight minutes before a hard stop. So we've got two, three movies left. I'm going to roll all of the Nolans uh, because. A lot of Dark Knight tends to be focused on Joker. We've done an episode on Joker. Like, we talked a lot about Dark Knight uh, then, but I'll give our, our two guests that were not there for that if they have any notes specifically on Dark Knight. Uh, as a girl who had a massive crush on Heath Ledger as a kid, uh, Heath Ledger Joker was very hard for me to watch because I'm like, oh, wait, no, confused. But <laughs> No, I'm not supposed to find him hot. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he is probably one of the best Jokers ever. Um, Dark Knight by far is my favorite of the Nolan movies. Arc, it might be my favorite live action Batman movie, honestly. Um, I did not like Dark Knight Rises at all. I I couldn't, there was just a couple plot decisions where I'm like, this took me right out of the believability and now I'm just mad at it and I just could never get through that third Nolan movie. And I think it is, it is what we've been talking about where the Nolan movies were established to be very science-based and then once you get past that almost scientific uncanny valley, <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, uh, what? Huh? Yeah, because it's like, I'm, we're super realistic, but then Bruce Wayne loses all his money because of a bunch of stuff that happens in the stock market. I'm like, we have securities for that. If someone broke into the stock market, no trades that happened after that point would count. He wouldn't be broke. That's not how fucking economics work. Right. <laughs> and all I could do was think that. And I couldn't watch the rest of the movie like a straight face. But I will say Dark Knight in the theater got me because I am such a Barbara Gordon Batgirl fan. I totally believe they killed Jim Gordon. Uh And I was livid (laughs) for about 10 minutes. I had a moment like that at the end of The Dark Knight Rises when he's trying to get rid of a bomb, which you famously can't do. And um, That's right. There's no place in this town to get rid of a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And I I remember (laughs) him flying out over the bay and I was sitting in the theater and I remember my my jaw just going slack going oh shit are they gonna do it what like are they actually gonna kill batman in a movie and yeah i that 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 got me uh okay last question for the nolan uh specifically for dark knight maggie gyllenhaal actually better than uh katie holmes was in begins yeah i'll give you that yeah i mean i don't think either of them had really a large enough role that it made a difference who they had as an actor I do love me some Joey, uh, you know, being a being a creek freak. But I would say Maggie did a better job just because of her ability to the the, the relationship that her character had with Bruce Wayne. Like I felt like that was a, a, I don't know. I just liked that better. Like she felt com- confident enough in their friendship to really confront him. Her believably, scene, her scene with Bruce where. He asks, um, you told me a while ago that if Batman was no longer needed, that we could be together. Is that, you know, did you mean that? Is that still true? I could not imagine that. Like, I remember watching that and being like, can I imagine Katie Holmes delivering this in a way that is this believable? No. 
And I, yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, think I could. Maggie Gyllenhaal handles the emotional lifting of that role better, but when she's being like the more upbeat version, it's a very good Katie Holmes impersonation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think they both were brought in for, it ended up working out. They had very different purposes. Yeah. I don't think that Maggie Gyllenhaal could have done Batman Begins that role as well as Katie Holmes did. I think, I think that they were the right been, casting for their jobs. Right. And I think it would have been a different role yeah. from the beginning. It would have been yeah. a much different role. Um. Okay. And moving off the Nolan. Okay. So I'm not going to turn the last of this into just most of us did not like BVS. Um, I I would like to turn the floor to Mr. Harnwell because we will be doing a Justice League episode coming up soon where we will be watching the Snyder Cut. Um, I guess it's just what did maybe we not notice or appreciate in BVS um, from a Batman perspective? I will say when it comes down to it, I'm not a Superman fan. That's that's pretty well known. Um, I do like Ben Affleck's scenes. The ones that he is in and his performance as Batman, I buy. I understand. Um, my issues are strictly with the script. Um well, do you want me to talk about Batman or do you want me to talk about sort of the, the idea as a whole or? Right. Well, just if if there's somebody on the fence and they're like, everybody just because because it's very well established that there's a lot of people that just don't like the, the Batman versus Superman. The ultimate uh, cut or the director's cut came out as well. We, I, I've seen the differences and I'm not even sure that there's that much added that would bring me over but from a batman perspective sure why why, why is, do i like it yes um now i will say when i saw this movie the first time i went and saw it in the theaters and i was um not as completely sold on it as i am now um it is one that i definitely grew to appreciate revisiting it and especially going back to watch the ultimate edition which as far as i'm concerned is the canon version of that movie um, because it was what was supposed to get put out. Um, and with the Ultimate Edition, I mean, some of the, the minor things are some scenes get reordered to make the flow a little bit better, but it also fleshes out Superman's end of things more. Um, so you understand more of why he's like, oh, we need to do something about this lunatic in a mask who's beating people up and, you know, branding them. Um, as far as Batman goes, I mean, there's a couple of things here. This is the oldest Batman we have ever gotten in a movie. He is the most weary. He has been doing this for 20 years. And it's very obvious that he is influenced by the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns Batman. And now this goes back to something that I had mentioned to you, which is the, my notes for this are called Batman movies or there's a reason it says based on. Um <laughs> Yeah. So looking at Batman v Superman, um, and some of this is informed by other people's. It is a movie that has been discussed frequently in the five years since it has come out. It is still a hotly debated movie. People still find little things. Um, there, you know, sometimes it's little dialogue Easter eggs. Sometimes it's just stuff they didn't notice before. Um, but one of the things that, um, because Zack Snyder has been doing a lot of interviews with uh youtube streamers because it's people who genuinely appreciate his movie and want to have you know a sort of deeper discussion than you might get with somebody who's just doing a press junket um and so he gets to delve in a little more and one of the one of the things that he brought up at one point sort of talking about his bruce and batman is batman wouldn't do x okay well if batman won't do this what are the circumstances that can push him to do that 
Um, and I think the the far end of that is the nightmare timeline where things are so horribly horrific that Bruce has to basically go against pretty much everything he's ever done. Um, like if Batman is walking around toting a machine gun, you know that's how things got really, really bad. And the nightmare scene in and of itself is something that we will see more of in Justice League and something that was going to play out more in furthering movies. Like there are seeds here that are planted for what was going to be the greater story arc, especially centering around Superman that at this point, we don't know if we're ever going to see. Um, but the couple of things that sort of establish where Bruce is at, um, you know, the beginning of the moving, we we find out that Bruce is at the battle of Metropolis and he sees the destruction that is getting sown by Superman. And right in that moment, and you can see it when he's holding that little girl whose mother has been killed because, you know, Zod ended up taking the roof off a building. You can see that rage in his look in that moment. And that's sort of this one of the dominoes that's falling over for Bruce becoming the person that falls um in this movie and the other thing and you get a tease of it and again it's one of those things that was supposed to get you know explored later was robin got killed by the joker now snyder has clarified that the robin that is dead in this world and because this is all just alternate universe stuff his the robin that dies in snyder's world is dick and the main reason for that is well you have to consider and i see cat's hand flail part of the thing <laughs> you have to consider is Consider a character like Bucky Barnes. Bucky has been in, what, four or five movies now and is doing a TV series, and we're only really getting to probe so much of him in all of that content. So to try to do the four major Robins that Bruce has had would take as many movies as pretty much the entire MCU. So some of that is truncating things to, to streamline it. But also, if there is a Robin that is going to hurt the worst, outside of Damien, who's his own son, but they never get to that point, it's Dick. You kill his son, like, that is going to be the, the thing that hurts the worst. You may not agree with that decision, and I understand there are a lot of people who don't, but I understand the point that he's trying to make there. Um, so you have Dick Grayson, who's the dead Robin, and you have old paranoid dick bruce reeling his head because he uh sees this threat that he at that point doesn't know how to overcome and alfred i mean has that line when he's talking to him about um you know you want to go to war and uh you know you want to go to war that son of a bitch brought the war to us and he just sees a threat that he is trying to deal with and he has fallen so far from what his initial mission is because he's angry. I mean, it's, you know, Alfred has that line, the fever, the rage, um, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. And at that point, that is where he is. I mean, part of Batman's story here also slots into the overall Superman arc of what was going to happen with Snyder's movies, which is Superman becomes this beacon of hope for partially the other members of the League and the world. Because in this movie he's still not widely accepted. I mean, you see all the protests for him at the Capitol because at this point, I mean, yeah, he's going out and doing good things, but Lex Luthor has also been making sure that when Superman shows up somewhere in some instances, there's a lot of dead bodies. And so Bruce is seeing all of that because he doesn't understand the greater picture. And all he sees is where this guy goes, 
people die and he needs to do something about it. And there's one of the lines he has at the beginning of the movie, which I think speaks to where he is and where Superman ends up at the end. Um, and it's right at the beginning, but he, he says what falls is fallen. And at that point, Superman dies and Bruce is a fallen hero in a lot of ways. He doesn't he's not adhering to the code that he would have adhered to 20 years earlier. I mean, you can see how many people end up biting it in this movie. And that's sort of the point is, yeah, what Batman... The, what was the body count on this one? Uh, 21. Okay. Um, and I again, I deferred to the video for that. And the bulk of that is the car chase to go get the kryptonite and um, people in the warehouse fight. I discount the nightmare scene because that is alternate, alternate timeline, extreme circumstance. Um, but the point of Batman's arc in this movie is what he is doing is wrong. And if you're looking at that and going, yeah, he shouldn't be doing any of this. Yeah, exactly. Tony Stark shouldn't have been a warmonger. That was kind of the point of Iron Man. The point of this is Bruce finding his way back to the light and getting inspired again, especially by Superman's example and sacrifice to pull his head out of his ass and be better. Um, and I... I have appreciated this movie every time every time since I have watched it. Like this is this is the DCEU movie I have seen the most. And I'm going to watch it again in a couple of weeks cuz I'm going to do Man of Steel in this before uh before Justice League drops. Um yeah, I hope that all made sense. <laughs> no, it it did and it it actually gives me motivation that I did not have before to go back and to and to watch uh Batman versus Superman because I I I enjoy alternate realities. You know, and yeah. Justice, I enjoy uh uh Kingdom Come, like a lot of these yeah. um alternate ideas. I do enjoy that. I enjoy it in Marvel, I enjoy it in DC how you take these established characters and if you can't add something to them, make them completely different, but make it non-canonical. And yeah. And I mean, any movies, movies like this non-canonical, you know? Yeah. Well, and really any of the movies you look at, that's what they're doing. They all exist in their own little world and they all play with things in different ways. I mean, the Joker didn't kill Bruce's parents except for the Tim Burton universe. Right. You know, and that's the time where they play with that and, you know, people enjoy it. Uh, I mean, you look at like, I think the TV show Gotham is a really extreme example of it, of how all of these, you know, supervillains are existing to one degree or another before Batman is even a thing. Right. Which is a central theme, though, in a lot of other media is that Batman oh, sure. begat the, yeah. the, you know, the string of supervillains. Yeah. If it uh, wasn't for fact, this lunatic, we wouldn't have all the other lunatics. Right. And in Dark Knight, Joker specifically says, you know, it was you that inspired me uh, yeah. because you started to do your thing. So I started to do my thing. Well, um, and speaking to that point, I believe uh, Snyder was doing an interview about Justice League and the the additional photography he got to do for the nightmare sequence. But the the scene between Joker and Batman for that is going to be one of those kind of scenes where they're talking about the psychology of the two of them together. Whew, I still don't know. Leto. Leto's going to have to go a long way. <laughs> but that is something for uh, for, another for next show. month. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you everybody what i'm going to do uh to end instead of our normal would you read because you're one way or another you're going to take in more batman content i think all five of us yeah are. i mean if they come out yeah. with more movies i'll watch more movies right if, you know right um, strikes me i'll go read more batman comics but and there's a whole go, bunch of anime
animated movies to go watch as well, which are really good. Almost all of them are great. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. Very good. And, if, and if you do like the Batman animated series, it pretty much was ended in the Arkham trilogy of video games. Oh, yeah. The Arkham oh. games are Batman the animated series, the video games. Yes. Right. And then Batman Beyond. And then Batman yeah. Beyond. But... Um, so instead, I'm going to go around and I'm going to say, who is your favorite Batman, Bruce Wayne, whatever you like, your favorite person to have the cowl, to to be that persona? You can choose whether or not it's your favorite Bruce Wayne or your favorite Batman. I'm not going to get into the semantics of that, but uh, I will start with you, David. I mean, I think my, my t-shirt I'm wearing for the recording yep. probably answers <laughs> the question. Um, if it's live action, it's Ben Affleck. Um, I thought he did a lot of great, I, I thought he did a lot of really great stuff. Um, also I, I stand by the fact that he is the most pants shittingly terrifying physical presence of Batman, because if that man shows up in a dark alley, you are going to be fucking terrified. Like that scene at the end where he's, uh, confronting Lex in the jail cell and all you get is the red backlight of him just standing there and you get all six foot four of Ben Affleck and his brick shithouse build he had for that movie. Like, holy shit. But I mean, then there's also Kevin Conroy. Cause I mean, everybody likes Kevin Conroy. They did do him dirty in Legends of Tomorrow or in uh, uh, Crisis on Him. Oh, Crisis. But yes. CW's got a CW. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Cat? So overall, Kevin Connery. Kevin Connery is my Batman. If I have to pick live action, while I abhor Batman versus Superman, it was the most miserable two hours of my life. Uh, I think Ben Affleck will be such a good Batman with a good script. It's like the whole time I'm like, I hate this, but I like what you're doing. I wish you had something to do I didn't hate. Fingers crossed he gets to do his Batman project for HBO Max. Yep. Or, yeah, it's, I don't know. Robert Patterson. Pattinson. We'll see. I'm intrigued. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give him a shot as he hates Twilight more than you hate High I know. Twilight. I know. I know. And that gives him bonus points to me anyway. Yeah. Jen? Um, well, I, I have to agree. I think Aflac is amazing, but... Affleck. Affleck. <laughs> the duck. The duck as Batman. Um, but I, you know, I just Adam West, man. He he is he is Batman. He just is. All right. <laughs> There. Uh, if we're talking live action, I, I gotta go with the Nolan movies. I gotta do, um, yeah, Christian Bale. I was trying to remember, like, I had his name earlier. I was like, why can't I remember Christian Bale? Um, if we're doing animated, I really liked the Batman from Batman Year One. Um, ben McKenzie did the voice for him. Um, I I just, watching that that movie last night, I was like, this is might be the best Batman thing that I've seen as far as video goes. It's a good book, too. Yeah. Well, and if you like the Nolan trilogy, I definitely understand liking Batman Year One. Because Batman Begins definitely takes some inspiration from year one. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, for me, it's, it's uh, uh, oh my God, I just had it. Now it's gone. Um, Keaton? No, no. Animated. Kevin Conroy. Uh, not just because of Batman the Animated Series, but also because he was the voice of Batman through the Arkham games. Um, Mark Hamill also returning uh, famously for the first Best two. Ever. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, if we are going to go to live action, I'm probably going to end up uh, uh, with Keaton. Um, just because, again, he added so much to returns. There was so much of a, um, a, a presence um, in his Bruce Wayne that I think a lot of the other actors took. Um, I could very easily see him doing the bail scene in Batman Begins where Rosh is like confronting him at his birthday party and he acts drunk and basically insults everyone out of his house. Yeah. I, I shot for, I'm, I'm like, he had to have taken that from Keaton's performance. I can see that as a Keaton scene, right? You know, as, as everyone's in danger, 
What's the quickest way to get everyone out of here? That's a Keaton Bruce Wayne move. Um, I'm just gonna pull the rich asshole and yes. act drunk and insult everybody, and they'll all just leave. And I've got no problem doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not thinking about the consequences right now. And actually, I think the Michael Goff uh, Alfred would have been a lot more supportive. um but you had to admit there was a good line right after that it's like what good are all those push-ups for if you can't lift a bloody log god that was so good (laughs) yes um so thank you cat david for joining us uh we'll see you like like we've said uh in a little bit for for justice league when we start season five yay (laughs) just a little bit of cleanup uh this is a mid-season we'll be back may 7th uh we will be alternating with our brand new show wreck conversations which is me and our good friend leah cameron uh breaking down your most confusing or infuriating storylines our very first episode will be civil war the marvel storyline the first one because we're gonna end the season with the second one yay uh so this is just uh just gonna be a lot of torture but a lot of fun for you guys so we'll see you back May 7th. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you have questions for us, by all means, send them to graphicallynovel at gmail.com. I'd love to do a mailbag, but nobody ever asks us questions. So, uh, you know. Are you taunting the audience? That's now? right. Yeah, that's right. Come at me, bitches. Uh, but again, we will see you soon and take it away, Vandello. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right, but you don't want to see